This is a no-so salvation. It's not, there's hope involved. But this morning, like Simon said, if you're here and you don't know you're on the way to heaven, you can't know it. There's no reason you can't know where you stand with God. That's what this whole thing is all about. That's why Jesus came, so that you can know where you stand with him. You know, God, I was thinking on the way here this morning, God wants to speak to his children. I heard a message about 30 years ago. I never forgot the message. I think the, the man passed away. And through that message, about 50 times, maybe 100 times, he said, Adam, Bubishtu. Adam, where art thou? And I had to think of being God's child, and the Lord wants to speak to us. Adam, in the evening or morning, says, where art thou? And what do we have to say? I was busy on Facebook, Lord. I was busy playing my games on the phone, Lord. And God's grieved. He's not happy with that. He's sad. You know, I, I was thinking about what I should share. And I think I'm going to share just for a second about how I got saved. Because there's people here that haven't heard me, my testimony. I won't take long. But I was raised in a, in a home that was, my father was an alcoholic. A drunk, they call it alcoholic. Spruced up name, I guess. In an Amish home. And, uh, and I saw a lot of things I shouldn't have seen. And as a little boy, he used to bring booze home to the milk house. We had them coolers where you put the mini tank in and I used to sneak beer six years old now I'm just giving you this picture your, your children you look at your children your grandchildren a six-year-old little boy stealing that stuff and then stealing the pipe smoking that and then doing all kinds of other stuff and then lying about it so I never had a childhood because at six years old all I knew, I was going to hell because I'm already a lying, thieving, cheat. And through all that, I was still taught the fear of God. And I want to talk a little bit about knowing, like he, you said, that was a burden on my heart. Knowing where you stand. And I've been saved 40 years this year. And I've made it. 40 years. How? What? There's one word I can give you and I want to talk about. But this little boy, as I grew up, I saw my father, and I tell you this, but my father, before he died, told me, because I, I got saved and talked to him, and he says, Ich glaub, I believe, ich bin vergeben, the heart me forgiven. I did not live a good life, son, but I believe God forgave me. And I saw him hit my mother, and a little six-year-old boy, I remember laying on the floor, I still see this picture. And I told Jesus that I... I didn't like him, I hate him. Because mama said that God protects us. And God did not protect my mother. See how a little boy's mind works? And I hated my father. Well, that's how I grew up, with that hate, bitterness, and all that. That's how I grew up. When I was 12, 13, I was out with the neighbor boys riding horses into the world. I got older and went to jail, I don't know, 15, 18 times. I'm not going to get into my evil past. But I met death certain times, guns pointed in my face, 
Anyway, finally, through, I, I remember running from home. I was running, I ran from the police. They didn't know where I was. Finally, through a circumstance, I came back. I had to go to court. I was up against one to five years of prison or something. And they, my father had quit drinking. He was now a bishop. He knew the judge. He knew the cops. So they went and made this deal that instead of me going to jail, that I would have to stay Amish. I would have to go to church. I would have to work for him. And that was all my sentence, which I didn't care because that's better than going to jail and eating uh, beans and wieners every day or every other day, which that's one thing they can't mess up in jail, beans and wieners. <laughs> you get a chicken dinner or something else. But anyway, so that's what I did. And as I was, as I was, uh, so I started going to church. And I remember going to church the first time and then the Lopley, the second song they sang. And I hadn't been to church for years before that. And I broke down and cried because something in me all those years, even though I was evil like I was, even though I had all this hate, something in me had the fear of God and I somehow still wanted to get to heaven. Something was planted for my mother. I remember my mother one time, <clears throat> she went out to the woods to cry. And I remember a little eight, nine-year-old boy went out and I found her in the woods on her knees and I crawled up beside her. There was experiences that something in me that mother taught us. She used to teach us about God. And even all the things that happened, she kept teaching. There was something in me. I remember being out west, and I would, when I ran away from the law, and I would think, some dog will he have a trick Amishkia. That was my salvation. He was trick Amishkia. I didn't realize, the people that I knew that said they were saved, smoked and drank, and they did half the stuff that I did, so their salvation didn't mean nothing. But I thought, I, I, honor your mother and father, I had to be Amish in order to honor them. Or I can't get to heaven anyway. So being Amish and a part of the church was me, my mentality of being saved or being able to get to heaven. So in my mind, I wanted to someday go back, back Amish. And here I'm sitting in church and they're singing the song. I was forced to be there. But it still touched me. Something in me says, maybe this will work out. Well, I had to keep going. And after some time, I couldn't, I used to, when I was on dope and stuff, I'd see the devil. And I mean, I know what the devil looks like and nobody feels like. I know how wicked he is and I know how evil he is. And he's real. Don't let nobody fool you. And if he gets a hold of you, he'll fling you around. He's a hard taskmaster, the Bible says. If the devil gets a hold of you and controls you, you won't have no control of that smartphone. You won't have no control of your life. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll make mincemeat out of you and you can't do nothing about it until God sets you free. Just like it's the same as Pharaoh, he had those Egyptians, the Israelites in bondage and they could not get out. God had to send to Moses to get them out. They couldn't get out. And if you're caught in devil's grip, you can't get out. And that's what happened. I could not get out. And I remember one time I was in the car with somebody and I, I looked up, it was dark, and I saw the devil looking in the window and it scared me so bad that time I wasn't really drunk or anything I jumped out of the car ran all the way home I had a mustache and I decided I had been to the point where sin did not I didn't enjoy it anymore I don't know if anybody knows what that means but it wasn't enjoyment anymore to do things wrong but I still couldn't quit 
So I ran home, shaved my mustache off. Can't go to the middle with a mustache. So I'm going to join church. So that's what I did. I wanted to join church, and I did. And I couldn't quit drinking. I got baptized, and I got drunk. I, I, I couldn't quit drinking. I, I wanted to now. Now I wanted to do what was right. Actually, the law made me go back, but now after a year or so, I wanted to do what was right. I actually wanted to do what was right. And I couldn't quit. That's what I mean. I couldn't get out of this. I remember one day upstairs in my room, I just wept. I wept so loud, my mother came up. Your dear mother. She said, what's the matter? Not everybody can speak all German here, probably. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get on the German phase too much. What's the matter? And I says, I cannot quit this sin business of drinking and everything. I don't know what to do. She says, don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. I just got on my knees by the bed. You know how a, you get down on your knees, put your head on the bed. And as I was there praying, I felt a hand on my head. It said, say Jesus. And they told me in German, you don't have to do that anymore. And you know what? I've never had an urge to drink since. To this day. God took that alcohol. He took that drinking away just like that. Well, now I'm, I'm, I've made my things right in the church. You know how you do if you mess up. You make it right in the bone, whatever, for two weeks. And then you, you get things straight. Now I'm a good Amishman. I helped excommunicate people that got saved. You can't know you're saved. And I, I was a good Amishman. I, I tried to live what right. I try to help the widows, try to do stuff. Then I read my Bible, thou shalt not steal. Ooh, boy, that was, ooh. All the stealing I did, see? I got the outside cleaned up now. I got all these Amish clothes on. But boy, it bothered me to read that. The things I did against my mom and dad. Honor your mother and father. Shalt not steal. Shalt not lie. Shalt all these commandments. And I didn't know what to do with it. See, God helped me, but I wasn't born again yet. I wasn't saved yet. For four years, I tried to do what was right. And, I, and then what I started doing is making things right. And I believe if you're truly seeking after God, you repent, you will make things right. I had to go back. There's this one bar where the guy would keep thousands of bucks in the back. And, and I helped him in the back kitchen. And if I was broke, I just went and got two, three hundred, put it in my pocket. Well, when I got saved... I had to go back and tell this man. And a lot of other things that I did. I had to go back and make these things right. It took me a long time to go back and make things right. But I did it. Because I wanted... Then I took the 12 sticks of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the one step is you confess everything to somebody that you ever did. You're supposed to even write it on paper. There were so things so bad I did, I, did, I could not write them down. But I went and met this guy that was trying to help me, and I told him. Two weeks later, he died. I don't know. That didn't kill him, I don't think. <laughs> but I thought to myself, at least I don't have to worry about him telling anybody. I did things that were horrible of my child, all this kind of stuff. That's one of the 12 steps they have. You need to confess. But see, it's not confessing to God. It's confessing to man. Same with the church. I confessed it to the church, but not to Jesus. But I was trying to get freedom. I would read the Bible and these things bothered. Then I couldn't, I was bothered to read it. Then I was bothered not to read it. Well, you're Amish, you're supposed to be a Christian. Don't, don't Christians read the Bible? Well, I didn't know what to do with this book. I was scared to read it and scared not to read it. There I was. 
four or five years. And finally, I walked into a restaurant. I was 25 years old. I walked into a restaurant. Well, anyway, I didn't tell you about the dream then when I quit drinking. Remember I told you that? It was, it was, that's when I wept. And in that, the reason I wept, my mom, I couldn't quit drinking, was because I went into a trance in my room. And this is real. I mean, it's as real today as it was then. I went into a trance in, in my room, and I saw the end of the world. And I saw people, billions, just judgment day. And everybody's come before the Lord. And as they're coming before the Lord, if you went to hell, the ground would open up right around you. The demons would come out of there, Satan and the demons. They would grab you, and you never heard such screaming and yelling. And all the people's teeth were gnashing and chattering. And the scripture came to my mind in this trance. There shall be gnashing of teeth. Horrible, fearful feeling. Uh, most people don't ever experience that kind of a fearful thing. To know the wrath of God. To feel it. To under, even talks about that in John. About feeling. To know, have tasted of the worlds. There's an S to come. That means the evil world and the good world. And it was so horrible screaming and then everything was quiet and then the next person John, Joe, whatever his name was you could, Jesus came all white, came in the clouds put his hands out and this with the angels and this person would go up just like the Bible says and this person went up and you, everybody just wept and you could feel a quiet rest and peace on everybody felt so if you didn't make it to heaven you actually could, at that moment you felt what you were missing well, then he said my name. And when he said my name, I started, the ground opened up and I started fighting devils. And I don't know how long I fought them in this trance, but that's when I came out of this trance. I was wringing wet with sweat in the middle of my room. And that's when I wept so loud. That's when my mother came up. I, I, was gonna, I didn't mention that. That's what happened when I told mom I'm going to go to hell. I can't quit drinking. And that's, that's what scared me. And that's actually then when I prayed and then God put his hand on my head. I had, see, I was such a, so bad. God had to do things like that to get, to really, like Paul, knock them down. Not everybody might not need that, but everybody needs to hear Jesus' voice. You are not saved today if you have never heard his voice. I don't care how nice a guy you are. In fact, you might have worse sins than I did because you might be full of pride. And pride is took the devil out of heaven. So I'm telling you, it's got nothing to do with the sin, how bad, and none of that. It's got to do with meeting Jesus. Anyway, this guy was in the restaurant sitting there after four years. I'm 25 now. I was 21 when that happened. And I'm sitting in the restaurant, and this guy was talking about being saved, about Jesus. And he was an English boy. These other people they talked about being saved were Mennonites. And they went to the Cleveland ball games and they kept doing all this stuff. Smoking and, you know, whatever, having a beer. But they were saved. They went to the Baptist church, one saved always. Once you're saved, you believe in Jesus, you're going to heaven. That's just the way it is. Nobody can take you out of his hand. You're saved. Well, to me it was a joke because I believed, even in my state I was in, that if God saves a man, that's, he should be able to, something told me he should be able to live above it. And I was to the point to where when I was Amish like that in those four years, when I think about heaven and hell, I'd be scared. I remember my dad even preached after he saw the lights. Um, uh, he used to preach like Paul. 
I kept the faith. And I shall meet the Lord. And not only me, but all them that love is appearing. And that used to bother me because I, at that point, was not, I, I, I did not love his appearing. Like today, if you're sitting here thinking that Jesus might come back today, and you think, well, I hope not yet, you're not loving his appearing. You're not ready. And that's the way I was. But then I thought, well, but he's been baiting me. I am a member of the church. I've been baptized. I'm an Anabaptist. God sort of has to let me in. He doesn't have much choice, does he? I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I thought, that ain't pride and arrogance. You tell me what it is. But I mean, I still felt miserable. So I'm sitting there, and this young fella was talking about being saved. Could somebody bring me a glass of water? And I was sitting there thinking about being, he was talking about, you've got to be saved, know you're saved, born again. And as he was talking about this, I'm sitting there in this restaurant, and there's a whole bunch of Amish people all around. And I'm thinking, why did I sit down here with this guy with a Bible? I mean, you don't bring out a Bible in the restaurant. You just don't do that. And I, I was ashamed and everything. But at the same time, I saw this young fellow. I've often wondered since. When he talked to me and told me, he pointed his finger right in my face, and he said, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. And, and when he said that, something in me, like a knife, the word is like a two-edged sword, just, and there was all my sins. It scared the daylights out of me. And I told him, oh, you can't know you're saved. Hey, if I pay you to do a roof job, you don't even have to do it. You've already got your money. You don't have to even do it. You're already paid. Why go to church if you're saved? That was the mentality. That's the old Amish mentality. If you're saved, Muslim nimic magia. That was my mentality. He says, you're going to hell if you don't repent. And I said, I'm out of here. He gave me his card, actually. He said, here, call me if you want to get saved. And I took it. I took his card, went home, that same room. I'm walking back and forth. And I'm thinking, oh, just to know that I could be forgiven. I'm 25 years old. I never had peace. I never, as it told me the child, if a guy could just know that he could make it to heaven. I mean, I had seen hell. I tasted hell. If a guy could just know, and I'm walking back and forth, and I thought, now, nah, even next day, if I, do, I don't want to get saved because I'll quit smoking and get a car. That was my mentality. I'll quit smoking, and I'll, I'll end up getting the car. I'll go out in the world if I'm saved, get saved, because everybody's doing that. <laughs> but I wanted to talk to him. So I called him up. You see, that boy had something. You can see it on Simon this morning, on the singers. A born-again true Christian has something that somebody else don't have. Jesus had it. Remember it says, in him was light. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and God was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And in him was life. Life. And that life was the light of the world. That's what was the light of the world. Not even Christ himself. But the life that was in him, that came out of him, was the light of the world. And the people saw that compassion, that gentleness, that assurance with God. They saw he had no fear of the Pharisees. He had life. 
And that's what they saw. And this boy had something. No fear. He knew where he stood. And that's what I saw. He had something that I wanted. And I said to myself, I want, he's got something. I called him up and within minutes he was there. Seven miles of six miles from Middlefield. Didn't take him long to get there. We went out and parked by a tree in the park. I go there once in a while, the tree's gone. I don't know why they cut it down, but this, that same old tree's gone. We parked underneath that tree, and we sat in the front seat, and he started telling me about Jesus. How that Jesus, don't matter if he, if I did all the sins in all the whole world, if I committed all the sins, they explained how that Jesus, the Lamb of God, in the Old Testament, every year, they would take a lamb, and they would kill that lamb, be forgiven another year, the next year, but he is the Lamb of God. One time he's, he was he died once, he explained all that to me, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, list. I knew better, you didn't. That's why you're I, I believe you got it. I believe God saved you. He had he had it. I believe it was real, but for me, I was raised different. I was taught you have to live right. You gotta do much tougher, do much right do much up or buy You gotta do all these things, the auditing and do all these things to keep keep the keep the law of the church. You gotta do all this stuff, and then by the time you die, then if you've done what's right, grace will help you get to heaven. Then grace, you're gonna make it by grace, but then you'll have grace to help you get in. That was my mentality. That's the way they taught. So there I am, and I'm thinking, ah, I, li I was hoping to live to be 100 years old, if that was the case. Actually, I did. I, 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 I used to think that way. I think, hope you live long, because you're a lot for Rekma. I got a lot of things to make right before I, before I can get enough grace to make it. And that's how I lived, in fear all the time. If we have hope in this Christ, we'll have all been most miserable. Did you know that? Did you know that the devil himself believes in God. If it just takes faith in Jesus to get to heaven, the devil will be there. And I don't want to be in the heaven where he is. He says, the devil also believes. He believes in Jesus. Takes more than that to get you there. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus forgave this young fella. But there I was. I wasn't on the way to heaven. The Bible says the devil trembles. Why is he trembling? You tremble too. If you knew you were going to hell, knew you couldn't be forgiven. Think about it. If today, right now, you knew, the Bible talks about those that sin willfully. There's nothing to look for but a fearful indignation that shall devour the adversary. Indignation means anger. That God's going to get even with these people. You didn't do, and, and it's, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but there's people like that. I've seen people die like that. I know of an Amish guy that died here like that. He was in the hospital. He got cancer. He came home with his daughter, my cousin, lived with her, her father-in-law. And he would, couldn't quit smoking. He couldn't do what's right all them years. In the pornography, all kinds of stuff. Left his wife. And he see the devil in, in the bed. It was a horrible thing. Then he went and died. And when he was in, 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 in the hospital bed dying, he told his wife came in. And he says, even rule, but he comes that greed. I want rest, but I can't. There's fire coming up on my feet. I do not have the key of Jesus. I can't make it. And he died in screaming like that. Don't let nobody kid you. This is real. And I'm sitting on the front seat there. I knew this boy had something. And then, all of a sudden, I didn't hear him talking no more. And there was this same Jesus four years ago that spoke to me. 
And the, the one didn't speak to me, but the one that, when the one got saved, remember? And he had his arms out. There was Jesus, all white, in the front seat of that car, and I said, I'm had his arms out. And I, he said, Ishklops. Ishklops, just believe it. Just believe it, I'll forgive you. And I thought, oh, it's, just, it's too easy. There was all my sins, and I thought, that is just too easy. There is no way that I can just be forgiven like that and make it to heaven. And I just hung my head, I remember, and I thought, ah, that'd be nice, but that's just too easy. And Jesus went away. And I thought, oh my, maybe I should have believed it. And as I hung my head, thinking that maybe I should have believed it, he came back. He had his arms out. Now let me tell you something. I don't know how I believed it. Fruit, faith is a fruit of the Spirit, it says. Faith. Maybe that's what made me believe it. All I know when I sat there, I received his word. All them that received him, he became. See, it's not just believing in Jesus. You must receive the word. I forgive you. The devil can't believe that part. See, We can. And I started weeping. And my friends, my sins were gone. I have felt them go. And if you've ever met Jesus, like Paul did, or like these brothers have, or sisters, if you've ever met Jesus, you will know you're forgiven. Simon met him by the garden, washed his sins away. I don't know about all of y'all, but if you do not know that Jesus has forgiven you, you're not saved. That's what it means by saved. I just wept. I hung my head. And I want to say this. The first person that came to my mind, you know who it was? My dad. And all that hate, all that bitterness was gone. Jesus came into my heart. And I became a new creature. Because all things was passed away and all things became new. I was born again. I received the spirit from above. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. The Holy Ghost came into my heart. Jesus himself came into my heart. And for 40 years, I never wanted to go back to Egypt. There's never been nothing back there to take me back. And I have never desired to go back. How many times did the Egyptians get into a jam and they wanted to go back to Egypt? Has Christ pulled you out of the darkness? And we go back with a smartphone and other things. And don't think this thing won't get you there. This is an evil device. The Bible says, fret not because of those who invent evil devices. There's nothing more wicked than this thing. You don't believe me? In the old days, you'd have to buy a pornography book if you wanted to watch pornography. You had to buy a Western book. You know, today, you can sit right in your bedroom and you can tell your phone, I want to see pornography. I want to watch a Western movie and there it is. You tell me that ain't a wicked device. The devil uses that. Now, I use it for the good. The devil uses this. He's deceived more people with the Bible and the Word of God than anything else. But that doesn't make that, so I'm not going to read it. This is the Word of God. This is God Himself. I use this, but if you don't have the power to say no, you better get rid of it. 
or it'll take you right straight to hell. I'm not kidding you. God showed me that on the boat this week out there while I was fishing, meditating. Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. You look up the word device. Many times they're wicked. They devise wicked things, it says. Evil devices. What were they back in those days? What takes more of your time, sisters, from the children than this if you don't have control of yourself? You knew. And this is what I wanted to talk about, what you need. And this is the problem with the churches today. There's not enough fear of God. It's all taught God is love, God is love. You don't fear God. But if you don't fear God, you're not going to quit doing stuff you shouldn't do. You get enough fear of God. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is what? To fear the Lord. If you truly repent from your sins, you will understand the fear of the Lord. Did you realize that? If you look in Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians. I forgot my glasses. Hope I can read it. Paul talks to the first letter, then the second letter they repented. He says, now you repented the right way. Look what he says here. This self-same thing that you sought after a godly sort. Before that he says, Godly sorrow, word of repentance, not to be resented. What does that mean? Godly sorrow. Oh, Lord, why did I do this? Lord, why did I mess up? Godly sorrow, the sorrow of the world, he says, work is death. That means I'm sorry I got caught. I gotta, next, I got to do this a little different so I don't get caught. That's the sorrow of the world. I'm sorry I can't do it anymore. I had a preacher tell me yesterday, He's got a smartphone from South Dakota. He said, I'm responsible with another brother. Whatever I watch, he knows what's on there, what he's watching. I didn't want to discourage him. I don't need another brother. Now, if you do, that's fine. If I wouldn't need another brother, I'd get rid of it. I've got God. If I'm on that boat out there, or no matter where I'm at, God is right here watching. He's in my heart. I don't need another brother to be responsible to. If I'm not responsible to God, if, if, I, if, that, if I have to be responsible to people and I still want to do it, I'm not free. I'm, that's not godly sorrow. That's that I would do it if I could. But, I, but what do the people think? Well, you might as well do it. You might as well do it. It's in your heart. That's not Christ in your heart. Christ in your heart says, I want no part of that rubbish. No part of it. It's self-same thing, he says. That you sorrow after godly sorrow. Look what it does. When you really are godly sorrow, if you make a mistake in your house, you make a misword to your wife or the wife to the husband. You snap a little bit, and you shouldn't have. And if you tell me you have never done it, praise God for that, but you've probably done something else just as bad. But you get a little moody, you shouldn't do that. You might say something. You might even say a joke you shouldn't. When you get done saying it, you say, why did I do that? That, that Lord, I'm sorry. Real godly sorrow. This is what happens. Paul wrote to them the second time. He says, you, I see you repented from the letter I gave you the first time. He says, this is what happens. 
He says, he says, what? This is what? This is what it worked in you. What clearing of yourself? Do you understand that? What clearing of yourself? Oh man. Lord, what else is in me you're not happy with? Even with your wife, honey, I shouldn't have said that. Is there anything else you're sad with that I've done? You clear your life up. You truly repent. You'll clear your life up. God shows you something in your life. It says, what clearing of yourself? Look what it says then. What indignation? Indignation, that's anger. Yeah. Anger at yourself. Well, why did I do this? Why did I feel God like that? I knew I shouldn't have clicked on that. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do it? Now I feel condemned. I'm horrible. Oh, God, forgive me. Then you're mad at yourself. And you're mad at the devil. You're mad at whatever made you do it. What indignation. I ain't doing that no more. This is it. That's real repentance. That's what it says. This is what causes in a heart. That's the way I was back when I got Jesus. And still am if I do something. He says, what indignation. What fear. Fear. Yeah. King David says, we fear God because he forgives sins. He knew what it was to be forgiven. Remember what he messed up? He even said, kill the man. When the prophet came, he said, you're the man. And then he fell on his face. Yeah. When you see how God forgives your sins and has mercy on you, that causes a fear. A fear of not wanting to do it again. A fear of doing what's right. A fear of God that he had mercy on me and I don't want to take that route again. That's true fear of God. And that'll keep you from sin. You won't tell them stupid jokes. You won't do that kind of stuff that bothers, that, that grieves the spirit. Grieve not the Holy Ghost, it says. You don't want to do that stuff. A true repentant person, that's what happens. What indignation. What indignation, it says. Then it says, what fear. What vehement desire. There's only two places in the Bible the word vehement was used. Right here, and the other one was when that wind dried up that gourd, remember? God sent a vehement and east wind. Now that wasn't no little breeze. And that says a person that truly repents has that kind of a desire. A vehement desire to please God, to not fall back into this again. A vehement desire to do what's right and to please Jesus and to walk like he walked, and oh God, and to lead people to Jesus. There's a vehement desire in a repentant person. Do you have that today? Or is it lukewarm? Yeah, oh, well, I don't mean either way. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. That means you ain't going to get to heaven. How are you going to get to heaven if Jesus said, I'll spit you out of my mouth? Are we on fire for Jesus? Are we trying to lead people to him? Are we trying to help people find salvation? Are we busy? Just lukewarm. There's a the park. Sometimes I give the ladies the cookies or something. When you pull in, she said, oh, you're wonderful. I said, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I said, because I got Jesus in my heart. I got Jesus in my heart. She said, oh, okay.
Anybody that's got Christ in their heart and lets Christ come out is a one, you're, you're wonderful people anyway, but that's what makes people wonderful. Christ himself, there's nothing more wonderful than Jesus. Look what it says. What vehement desire? It says what zeal. See, to have a vehement desire, that zeal, that anger not to do it again, that's a real Christian. Now, I was thinking this week, I've been coming here, what, eight, nine years? I was there about the first time, the first time you had the other place. And I was thinking, I've seen people come and go here. I go to, no, I've, I've been saved 40 years this year. I've been around the block a few times to a few rodeos. And let me tell you something. I've seen churches come and fall in eight years' time. I've seen them grow so fast, and before eight years was over, there was two splits and three splits, and there wasn't nobody left. They was all, they was all biting apart each other. Then I've seen them grow like that, where they got lukewarm, and they just kept growing fast, because as long as you had the right clothes, no problem. Come on in. So I'm thinking, well, now, what, what's going on here? I've watched this for eight years. Well, I believe the preaching is on walking with Jesus. I know some of you brethren's hearts, and it's to follow Christ with all your heart, your mind, and soul. You're not so worried if the man has, the woman has flowers on her dress or not. You're not so worried if it's a black or white or pink covering. What you're worried about that they follow the book and they cleave on to Jesus. Well, when people come sometimes and you put that pressure on them to cleave on to Jesus, there's things they can't do when you cleave on to Jesus. So they get, they get to feeling guilty. They got to make a choice. Am I going to cleave on to Jesus and get some fire? These guys seem to always be pushing like you got to always be on fire. So, so, uh, so uh, you know, so then they don't want to stay on fire. So they'll quit coming. Now, I believe that's the church that God will build. That happened in the book of Acts. See, many people can build churches, but when God builds a church, you allow him to build the church. And when people come that he didn't send, they're not going to stick around too long. But if they come because he sent them because they want help, they got this desire, they're going to get help. And then they'll stick around. See, in the book of Acts, they had a church and this one guy come in there and he was a little bit crooked around the, the back way there. Remember, he said, I sold that for so much. And he said, did you sell it for so much? Peter said, and the guy fell dead right on the spot. A little later, his wife come in, they connived that together. She fell dead right on the spot. And the Bible says the people feared to join. Whoa. It says the people were scared to go to that group. Well, God was building that church. You know, the preacher might ask him, how are you doing on your smartphone? Peter might ask him, how are you doing on your smartphone? But I don't want to lie to him about it. I'll be dropped dead. <laughs> and these brothers, he'll ask you, how are you doing? Are you staying off the pornography? See, you're responsible. But you know what the next verse says? And many believers were added to the church. Who? Believers. Not make-believe people, but believers. Ones that had this heart after God. They wanted to please him. They wanted to be used of God to build the body of believers. God wants to build a body of believers around here. One that's on fire for him. That people say there's a fire going on over there. Fire spreads. You'll always have a couple firemen trying to put it out. But if it gets hot enough, they'll back off. <laughs> Praise God. I've seen them back off. And if they don't back off, God will back them off for you. God knows how to do it. 
Then it says here, what vehement desire, what zeal. Well, that really goes together. See, Paul had a zeal, but it was wrong. I had a zeal when I was Amish. Excommunicate and say, people got to say, but it was wrong. Paul says they have a zeal, but not according to righteousness. They've created their own righteousness. So we've got to have the right zeal. And he's talking here, if you truly repent, have Christ, you'll have the right zeal. And the right zeal leads you to just do what Jesus wants you to do and not worry about man. Even though Paul said, I become all, so I may win some. I mean, I'll dress, uh, I got a bill on. If I'm around my people, I, sometimes I wear spenders, and I, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'll wear a tie. I, I'll whack my beard off if I can save a soul in India or whatever. I, I, I'm going to win souls if God gives me the grace to do it. It's, got, it's not about me. It's about Jesus and about other people. What, and he says on there, a true repentant person, what revenge? Revenge? Why would you have revenge? You repented from your sins. You repented. Now you've got revenge? What? It causes you to have revenge. Yeah. The devil tripped me up. The stupid phone or whatever it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get even. The old devil ain't going to do that no more. I heard of a guy who's had cancer. He was dying of cancer. His wife heard him talking outside the bedroom. She didn't know anybody that was in there. And he was in there talking to himself, saying, telling his flesh, you old flesh, you stood in my way a lot of times. Now you just suffer in pain. That's what you get for messing with me all these years. <laughs> Revenge at that old flesh. See? The stepping away. That's what true repentance is. A revenge. I'll get even with you. I didn't have my quiet time this morning or yesterday morning, and that's why I slipped up, because I did not pray and seek God. That's it, flesh. You're going to get your... You're going to get out of that bed, and you're going to go pray. You're not going to get away with this. See? I know for 40 years. That's how I've lived. I read this, and I've tried to live that way. That's what kept me. But then he says, what revenge... In all things, you approve yourself in this matter. And I want to talk about the word fear a little bit. Yesterday I read a verse that made me weep. And uh, it's in Psalms. It says, now listen to this. God take his pleasure in those that fear him and hope in his mercy. Now, I know I fear the Lord. I have a fear of God. I fear nothing else. Well, I wouldn't jump in the water out of the boat because I can't swim. But I mean that kind of fear. But as far as fear of man and fear, I, if you fear God, you need fear nothing else. And I know I fear God. I fear to, to grieve him. I fear to, to displease him. Jesus said, I always do that which pleases my Father. And that's the heart that I want. To always do that which pleases my Father. There's something in me that if I know God's not happy with it, I don't want any part of it. If it's withdrawn, it doesn't matter what it is. Spending money, whatever. I don't want any part of it. And it's not just a fear of not being being able to get to heaven, but that's included. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God in you to will and do of his good pleasure. That's what it is. We must, if you have that fear of God, the true healthy fear of God, 
You go through the Bible and the Psalms at least and look up the word fear. If you forget anything today, go home and check it out, please. Look up the word fear in your Bible if you have your smartphone. Punch in the word fear. And it says, God takes pleasure in those that fear him. I, we I weep. You know why? He's taking pleasure in me. I know that. How do I know that? Because I know I fear him. I know how I fear him. There's nothing more blessing when you have employees and you have an employee. I have a couple Mexicans right now like that. They'll do anything. They just fear not to please me. They're, 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 they're fearful to do something that I'm not happy. They work and I delight in I have pleasure in work like that. And it says God has pleasure in those that fear him. Does he have pleasure in you? What's more of a blessing to know that God has pleasure in you, brother? That he looks down and says, oh, I'm so happy with that person. Isn't that the whole desire of a born-again, saved Christian is to please God and to give him pleasure? He looks at a church. You, you, it even says, if you look it up there in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the church, they were baptized 3,000 souls and they walked in the fear of the Lord. Many times you read it there, they walked in the fear of the Lord. You don't want to go back. We don't want to go back. If God has brought you this far, don't go back. Be scared to go back. And if you have the true fear of God, the way you need the fear of God, the true fear of God, not some perfect love casts out fear. That was the verse after I got saved that day. He told me to go home and open my Bible. And God will confirm it. I went home and I opened it. And that verse fell right in front of me. Perfect love casts out fear. Oh, I had no more fear of going to hell. That's not what I'm talking about, the fear of going to hell. I'm talking about the fear of displeasing God. The fear of knowing that he's in control. But people don't have that fear. If you're saved or not saved, especially unsaved, they're hanging over hell by a string. If you're here today, you're not born again and saved, you're hanging over hell by a string. Now the devil can't cut that string because he does not have power of life and death. But all God has to do is clip it and you're on the way to hell. Isn't that enough to scare you? God is not mocked. He's in control of everything. I could be out in that boat, and if he says, you're going home today, and I'm going to take you by drowning, it's going to happen. There's nothing I'm going to do about it. God's in control. And if you fear him, the right healthy fear, that'll drive your, that'll drive, you will not look on something on there you shouldn't look at. Plus, if you're truly born again, you won't do it anyway. Because it says... Behold, what manner of love the Father stowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. We don't know what we shall be like, but we do know this. When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And he that has this hope and purifies himself, even as Christ is pure. He that sinners transgresseth the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. For this purpose Christ came, 
to take away our sin. And in Christ is no sin. Therefore, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as Christ is righteous. He that sinneth is of the devil. For this purpose Christ came to take away the works of the devil. He that is born of God does not commit sin. And he cannot sin. That's in the Bible. You believe it? He that is born of God does not commit sin. And he cannot sin. Because the seed, the Holy Ghost, is in him. Therefore the children of God are separated from the children of the devil. He that sinneth of the devil, he that doeth righteousness of God. Now why does it say commit a sin? Over here in the first chapter it says, he that says he has no sin is a liar. Over here it says if you commit sin, you're of the devil. The big difference between having it and committing it. That old flesh you have, the inner man has to die. But we've still got to deal with all these weaknesses. And that committed sin is not talking about maybe slipping, snapping at your wife, or slipping a little here or there. What that's talking about, he that committed sin, is of, cannot, if you're born of God, you cannot commit sin. You cannot, there's things you cannot do. If I came to you tonight and said, let's go steal chickens, could you do it? If I came tonight and say, now, I've been tempted, I've been hurt by people, I've had people done stuff that a thought went through your head, maybe I should just go take care of that dude and teach him a lesson. Well, is that sin? Well, say, Lord, please forgive me for that thought. But now if I go, I can't go do it. That's what it means. He's a committed sinner. Of the, you cannot do that stuff. You cannot get even with people. You cannot, there's certain things you can't do if you're born again. That's what that means. You cannot click on the pornography. Now, you might, you might slip and click on something, and if you've got Jesus in your heart, you are, you, you, I just can't do it. But I'm just saying, if, you, if you're a young Christian, you, you, might, you might slip up a little bit, and then, uh, you know, and then, oh, Jesus, please forgive me. And he'll forgive you if you truly repent like we talked about. But you can't, you can't just, he that committeth sin is of the devil. That means you keep committing sin. See what I mean? You just keep doing it. That doesn't say you can't slip and be forgiven. But if you keep doing it, brother, you need Jesus. Because that's why he came. The first thing it says about him in the Bible. Remember I told you last time about Joseph. He had a girlfriend. And she was the way of a family. And he couldn't figure this out because it wasn't him. And he's trying to contemplate He's going to have a child. Who is this? And that's when the angel showed up and said, it's not bad. You call his name Jesus, and he shall deliver his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. Hallelujah! That's why he came! The Bible says in James that if, if a man looks in the mirror and forgets what kind of a man he is, and he talks about if you look in the, the Word and go about and don't do it, he says, that's how you are. Like a man that looks in the mirror and forgets you got a black spot on your nose or something, and, or whatever, you've you got dirt and you forget about it. But he says, he that looketh into the perfect law of liberty and doeth therein, that man shall be blessed in his deed. What is he talking about? The perfect law of liberty. The law of liberty that 
Jesus Christ came to set you free from your sin yourself, and you can live above sin, you can walk in joy and rest, and you can know that you know that you know. Hallelujah! Praise God! Is that what you want today? It's available for you. You don't have to walk around wandering. If we have hope in this life, we're of all men more in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. What's more miserable to know about Jesus and to know you're wondering if you're ready to go to heaven? That's enough to make you miserable. You live like that long enough and you'll get on your face and say, I'm tired of this. I got to know or I'm just going to walk off. I can't live like this no more. Praise God. He's able to set you free. And I'm, a, I'm an example of that. Forty years ago, not too long ago, I've told you this before. I think of last winter, I was weeping before the Lord, praying. The Lord, it's 40 years. That's as long as Moses was in the wilderness. I said, it's been a wilderness, but I've never wanted to go back. And I said, Lord, you've never failed me. Forty years, God has never failed me. I could tell you experiences, him speaking to my heart, lifting me out of stuff. And I wept, and God said, and I'll take you all the way if you're faithful. And then I really wept. God wants us in heaven. And he wants us to get there more than we want to be there. He didn't die for nothing. That's why he died. Isn't it good to know, brother? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can know. There's no doubt about it. And once you taste that, there's nothing else can satisfy. King David says only God can satisfy the longing soul. Once you taste that forgiveness and the joy and the peace that it gives you, there's nothing else that can satisfy you. Hallelujah. It's available. It's there today. It's there for everybody. That's the message. Praise God. That you can know where you stand with God. That was his plan. That's what he wants. So let's, let's seek him. If you, if you don't know that where you stand, you get on your face in your bedroom tonight, this afternoon. You seek him. Because it says, he's a rewarder of them that what? diligently seek him. And let me tell you, the other day I was thinking, I wept when I saw that in the boat. I think I was in the boat. Fish weren't biting, so then I just get to pray and worship God anyway. Once they bite, you sort of forget about it. But I was thinking about that, and I, I actually called somebody. I said, you know what? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God has forgiven me. I don't need no other reward. Think about that, brother. What better reward? You've been forgiven, we're on the way to heaven. He, he already gives us the reward. We don't have to, we, we're going to have him there. But the forgiveness of sins is such a wonderful reward to know that you're forgiven and you're on the way. There's no greater reward than that. Hallelujah. Bless God. So, don't go another day. Today's the day of salvation. If you're married with your husband and wife, pray till you know. And when you know and he comes, you'll know it. When Jesus comes on the scene, the ship might be rough, but it'll get calm real quick when he wakes up. But he wants to be wanted. You're going to have to want it. It ain't just going to happen. Remember them disciples? We're walking with Jesus. They invite him in the house. He says, no, I, I got to keep going. No, 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 come on. No, no, we got to keep going. 
no, no, you come on in. Then he came in. He wants to be wanted. He wants to make sure you really are serious. And what happened? They broke bread. And what happened when they broke bread? Their eyes were open. And he left. They said, oh, didn't our heart burn within us when he spoke to us? Oh, that'll happen. There's nothing better than your heart burning when Jesus speaks the word to you. So wonderful. So beautiful. I remember one time my wife, I come in the house, she's washing dishes and she's weeping at the sink. I put my arm around her and said, what's the matter, dear? She said, Jesus loves me. I just, oh, so wonderful. She's washing dishes and God's speaking. The voice of love, the voice of joy, the voice of peace. My boy, when he was a little fella, he got saved at 10, 11, 12, 13, about every day with devotions. Oh, the hot dress that he tomorrow? Did God speak to you? That was tough on the poor guy. He's walking with the Lord today because, you know, if he did a little something, he'd hang his head. He wouldn't lie. <laughs> the next day, I didn't say no more. The next day, God speak to you. He says, yeah, yeah, God, me till I leap me. <laughs> he told me he loved me. <laughs> Whatever was wrong, he got it right the next day. And he says, Jesus, till I love me. <laughs> you know, you feel that as a child can feel that 11, 12, 13. There's nothing more than knowing that God, like this verse I told you, He has pleasure in them that fear Him. Me? Pleasure in me? How do I know? Because I know how I fear Him. I know how I fear God. You know you fear snakes? Well, that's how much I know I fear God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.